I've got a little experiment for you. Can you uh, help me out with something? Uh, please, yeah. Okay. So I had you prep for this before we started, but um. Well, don't you, can't, you don't give that away. You no, gotta no. Make it. You got to make it seem like you know we're just riffing here. Well, no, just because there's a tiny bit of uh, prep work required. So um, <laughs> so is it, you're you're a, a, a Chase banking customer, right? I, I some, am, uh, yes. to some degree. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. we won't we won't go into specifics, but Yeah, so their website used to be the absolute worst and now it's just the very worst. <laughs> so um and I, and I and I wanted to like it, but their website still has like so many awful things like you can't see more than 3 months of transactions. It's it's just it's it's an absolute mess. But there's something in particular I want you to uh test for me or help me uh communicate to some people. Okay. All right, you on board? I am. Okay. So put in your username. Um, God, I would. I don't even know what that is because of one password here. Um, okay. Yep. Got it. Okay. All right. yeah. Um. So does you? You probably have a good password. Does your password include uh some upper, some lowercase letters? Yeah. It, it was a uh, password created by one password. Okay. So I want you to copy that password. Okay. And then paste it into TextMate. Paste it into TextMate. Okay. Okay. Then Got select it. all in TextMate. Okay. And then uh, do Control. Not command, control U. Control U. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, what'd that do? So that made all of the uh, letters that were in lowercase, uppercase. Okay, so then copy that and paste it into the login oh, form. Oh, no. I, I think I see what you're doing here. Are you kidding me? Okay. Well, wait, so, no, no, no. No, it didn't work for me. Hmm? It did not work for me. Your username or password doesn't, doesn't match what we have on file. I think you may have your username then wrong. Because um, I've verified no, I, this multiple times. Well, well, okay, hold on. Let's let's try this one more time. Okay. I assume the listeners know what, what you're doing here too, but we'll we'll let's do it one more time here. No, no, it did not work. That's insane. <clears throat> these these have to be case sensitive. No, no. How, now we have to restart this whole damn thing over. Um. Well, no. I think I think that I think that that's that's useful because maybe maybe um. You've been hacked or something. No, but it's not though. Okay, damn it. We're gonna hold on. I I I could, I could see what you were doing there, and I I was gonna be horrified if that was well, actually hold on. the case. Are, but... are you an American Express customer? Uh, yeah. I want you to do the exact same thing with them. Okay. And you, you don't have to narrate this. You can just try it. Okay. Well, no. I mean, we this is a this is a um. What did what did Dan used to say? This is theater of of the mind or something. Radio. Anyway, this is not um, as fun as watching people uh, use computers in the movies. Uh, no, it's not. It's definitely not. Um, I I don't know how to how do I open applications in OS ten again? There we go. TextMate. All right. So now I've pasted in here, and then it was Control U to mm-hmm. make all the lowercase letters uppercase. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna go ahead and paste that right in here. Put my username, and then we'll press the little login button. Oh, yeah, that, 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 well, that worked, which means it doesn't work. Okay. So I think hmm, something's up with, with Chase because I, I've tried this. So this was inspired by an article or like a, um, uh, Y Combinator thread. I was reading about Facebook earlier today and I tested it with multiple websites. So Chase, Citibank and American Express, um, all seem to disregard case sensitivity on their passwords. That. That is insane. Keep in mind that American Express up until like 2012 only allowed you to have an eight character password. So okay, okay. so, so slight they, progress, but that 
Okay. So th this 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 particular issue, the the uh, lack of case sensitivity, that's that's not acceptable. But what's even worse are particularly it's like financial services that either put some really low limit on the number of characters you can use or which don't allow you to use any special characters or a, like a very limited number of special characters that uh, ugh, have you found this awful. thing where certain websites uh will disallow you from pasting yes in that i don't get either i don't either mm -mm. No. i mean i i get it but the benefit from implementing something like that, which I know can like prevent like cross site scripting attacks and some stuff like that, all it does me it, it means that everybody else is going to use less secure uh, passwords and information like that because it's they can't use a password manager or it's too difficult. So net the security is worse. I think the the in at least the intention with that is good, but in practice it doesn't really work. But what I was talking about earlier, where you either dramatically limit the number of characters you can use or the types of characters you can use. That's just lazy. And, and that one, like, it just reveals that, like, the whole financial, like, just, is just, like, built on, like, 1970s technology because it's like, yes, you can, like, we've somehow managed to increase the length of possible passwords, but, you know, oh, you can only use hyphens, uh, but you can't use at symbols and you can't use star because that'll break the SQL database that's, in, that's controlling the whole thing. It's, it's, it's a little insane. But the one thing that was interesting about this, where where kind of I uh, the jumping off point was, is that Facebook apparently allows you to use four different passwords. What do you mean? So they accept. Uh, so you have your Facebook password. When you log in, you have four different things you can use. You can use the real password. You can use um, uh, an uh, an inverted case password. So let's say you accidentally have caps lock on, but you type in the right thing, except just uppercase is lowercase and lowercase is uppercase. You can use your actual password and the first letter is capitalized. And then you can use your original password and it has just any any character at the end of it. What? So, and I can see why they do all those things. And I'm I'm kind of debate I've been debating all day in my head if it's a net benefit. So the inverted case thing is just if you have caps lock on, it's not case insensitive, which makes sense. But if you have caps lock on and the inverse is correct each time, it still lets you log in, which, which is fine. The other one where the first letter is capitalized, I assume that's to prevent people with smartphones with like autocorrect uh, who might accidentally have capitalized the first one to avoid locking out their account. And then the last one, I assume, is if you're using a password manager or something like that and you accidentally do like an, uh, a, a trailing keystroke. I, I get it, but I don't agree with it. So, like, that's kind of the thing where, like, it's like security, like, versus user experience. And in and, and this one, I think, uh, like, I've thought through the implications of, like, the Facebook thing, and I don't see it as, I, like, I see it as a net positive because it it allows people to use better passwords without the fear or, like, the real-life experience of constantly being locked out of your account due to the most common ways you might mess up your password particularly since facebook as of a couple of years ago has gone like super hard into being like mobile first so i think they're making good trade-offs but then that led down the rabbit hole of um other websites apparently just totally dis uh disregarding any case sensitivity whatsoever like all of the american banking system 
So I think everything you just said there was extremely well articulated. Still feels well, wrong. Well put, but I, I completely disagree. Uh, about the Facebook part or the... Yeah, the, the Facebook part. Why? Because passwords are binary. They're right or they're wrong. Don't... Or, you know, at, at, the, at the very least, make this some type of opt-in thing. But who, what are you going to say? Hey, do you, like, you want to have a less security because we think you might not type your password in correctly all the time? Like, I don't know how you'd frame that, to, like how you'd suggest that to the user. Well, I mean, maybe that just further speaks to why it shouldn't even be an option at all and just shouldn't exist. I think something that doesn't greatly reduce the potential um, like number of possible passwords, like I think it, it, it's a very, very small reduction in security. Um, but the fact that it greatly reduces user lockouts which if you, so if a user is constantly being locked out of their account due to password issues, they're going to recycle old passwords or use less secure passwords. So again, I think net, this is a positive thing. Well, okay. I think we've used this phrase before on the show, which is, you know, kind of picking and choosing your battles. So uh, this, is a, this is a battle I, I guess I don't feel oh, no, it's like, strongly I enough about to... Yeah, that, that, that was about it. So now it was just a, an interesting, um, interesting thing to read that that was their policy and implementation, which I thought like, yeah, that's actually kind of a smart way to approach things. And then it led to like uh, disturbing and frustrating revelations. I guess the, my, my other question about that is, is this documented somewhere or did, did somebody just like figure this out? Uh, let me send you a link and maybe that you can um, you can read what this says and that'll maybe... Um, more succinctly illustrate what the deal is yeah well and we'll we'll put this in we'll put this in the show notes yeah interesting okay yeah with this this is a um i guess like a facebook support reply or, or something to that effect mm-hmm. um, or something yeah, with like we'll, a developer yeah yeah well we'll put we'll put this in the notes yeah all right well uh on that note or well actually no it's, it's unrelated um we have two more days before the the lights turn out on america uh-huh. And um Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about this right now. It, it, so people should keep in mind we're recording on Wednesday, January 18th, two days before the inauguration. Right. Yeah, I watched uh President Obama's final press conference today and, you know, it was just another one of those um moments where it, it kind of hits you that uh that it, that it's almost all over. Yeah. Um yeah. And then, then there there were these stories that came out today that uh, Trump's inaugural address was um, written himself, um, which I, I forget who said this on on Twitter, but I, I saw a, a good reply to that today, which was, "That's either a lie, dangerous, or both." Which I thought that's that's a pretty good pretty good take. Yeah, I, I I'm just trying not to think about. It. I don't think I'm going to watch any of it. No, I I, I think I will. Um, we i'm sure we've also said this on on the air before which is you know you can't you you can't just recuse yourself and pretend like none of this is happening like the the only way to i think and have any way of combating this is is to stay engaged well the thing is i don't like i'm not going to check out of it but i think this like particular spectacle i don't think there's a whole lot uh that i'm going to benefit from other than just being like really angry and disappointed well, but that's I think staying angry and staying disappointed is not not a bad thing. 
that's what's 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 going to prevent us from being complacent again like i think you know i would put myself i don't as i don't want to speak for you but i'd I'd put myself in that category from 2016 yeah perhaps so i guess yeah i guess this is this is our last uh (laughs) last episode before um you know the uh free lines of communication get shut down Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just assume that assume that skype's probably not going to be um allowed anymore in our apocalyptic future well yeah because it's got a foreign sounding name can't trust it Uh uh-huh right Mm -hmm. yeah i can't find this uh, i can't find this comic that i was going to send you but i'm sure you already saw it where it's um it's from a couple uh, a couple weeks ago where it's uh, obama leaving the white house saying are you ready michelle and then they turn off the light switch in the oval office and the lights turn out in the entire country if you haven't seen it you really uh, should look it up but i can't i can't type into google whatever will make that show up okay yeah, Google. Google's hard. It is sometimes, but the thing is, normally it it generally knows what you want, even if you don't know what you want. All right. Um, two other stray points with this one. Uh, did you do you still listen to the five thirty eight elections podcast? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you get a good chuckle out of when uh two weeks ago when Nate Silver suggested what if the iPhone was the peak of America? <laughs> um. So. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I I meant to bring that up with you, actually. I, I was going to chuckle. But then you're like, oh, shit, it's probably true. Right. But then it, there there was something about when he said that. I'm like, man, that I really hope I really <laughs> hope it's not true. But that, that sort of that sort of has a chance of ringing true. I, I like I don't I don't want to believe that. I, I don't believe that. But was, it, was he comparing us to the Greeks or the Romans? Which which one was it? The, in the, the Romans, I think. Yeah. Well, because yeah, because he had um, he had just been to Italy on vacation. Um, yeah, no, that um, <laughs> man, hmm. yeah, a little too soon, or not not too soon, but just a little too true. Um, yeah, it, it it can't be. Yeah, and then there was one other thing I'm gonna send you. Uh, that this is the old, like the only other politics related thing that I have. Uh, that Google, you know, I didn't even know I wanted it. It surfaced it for me. Um, oh man oh man am i am i holding the is that my rocker i have no idea but that 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 is from uh, it's got it it's got it's got to be was it so at our old uh where we did our undergraduate study and then applies there was other study but there wasn't um, at ucsb (laughs) it makes does make you sound smarter though it does though that's why i like when you um like the the brits uh pre-brexit they called it um uh when you go to university they don't. They well, don't say college. I think they. I think. I think they. Still, I think they still call it that post Brexit. Hmm? No, no. <laughs> I'm not, the, I'm not really. Whole... I'm not really sure why that was clarified as being a pre Brexit thing. Oh, uh, because that's back when I liked Britain. Oh, okay. Does does well? Is man? I used to think like you know like Britain and the United States were well actually they're becoming more similar, <laughs> um, based on the events of 2016 and 2017. But I don't know. Britain feels different after this whole, this whole vote. I don't know. Oh well, that the fun with that's just beginning, but that's that's for a different episode. Yeah, but anyway, this was uh, at, at uh, UC Santa Barbara. The, uh, Hillary Clinton came to pay us a visit, and it was such a mess, and we never got to see her. But uh, yeah, Google apparently thought that was uh, uh, relevant to show me uh, <laughs> nine years or actually, yeah, nine years later. Jesus. So you must. So you must have taken this with. Did you have as like a standalone camera with you at the time? I guess you must have. No, I think this was my iPhone original iPhone. January seventeenth, two thousand eight. Um, is that right? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that that could be. Yeah. That's probably right. Um. Yeah. We. So we got in line. Which, by the way, I that 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 UCSB T-shirt I'm wearing underneath my jacket there. I I still had that until about two months ago. <laughs> and then it was it got it got a little uh, tattered, so I I had to had to donate it. But um. So we yeah we stood in line to see to go to, into this Hillary Clinton rally. She came on campus into I think like the um like the rec Sen, right? Mm-hmm. And we got in this yeah kind of unorganized kind of crazy line. We, I think the event started maybe at about six, six or seven, let's call it. And we got in line. I mean, probably like around noon, right? One o'clock maybe. I know we waited for a long time until uh, apparently the Bill Clinton also came and they're like, uh, everybody go home. Yeah. Well, then we, you know, they started letting people in and weren't, weren't we, I, I, I seem to remember we were only like five or six people away from getting in, right? Like, didn't we make it really close to the front of the line and then they shut it off? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that's how it went down. I'm pretty sure we were really close. But anyway. Yeah. It was a fun, uh, really <laughs> random memory. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, it's a random picture you took. I think, like, back back in those days, the camera was so crappy that you just took really, you, you didn't take many photos. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, on that note, to make this uh, T-word related, um, do you use Google Photos? No, I don't. You should give it a try. It's pretty good. What? So what? what, what does it offer me? Everything. It backs up all your photos. It uh, automatically creates smart albums. It allows you to search for, um, what is it, mountains and horses? What was the thing from the <laughs> keynote? Uh, yeah, it, it, um, yeah, I don't remember what the phrase was, but it, it kind of like catalogs your photos. Yeah, but it uses like uh, machine learning and all that. Uh, all yeah, yeah, BS yeah. Buzzwords. Um, so yeah, no, like if I, if I type in Corgi into photos.google.com, it'll give me every photo I've ever taken or saved to my camera roll of Corgis. So I don't know, it's... It's Which good. that has to be an immense collection. God, I think it's like six hundred. But like, yeah. I think I have most of those in my Dropbox. Most of those are probably from uh, was it CorgiCon? Is that what you've been to? No, those are on Flickr, and I have to go to uh, CorgiCon or Corgi Beach Day again. There's a Southern California one, and I've honestly considered making the trip down there just to um. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's fun. Should we should we start the show? Oh yeah, did did we did you pre- did you press record? Are we are we live? I think in Trump's America, it's always recording. <laughs> or it's never recording. Think about actually, that. Actually, no, and on that, well, uh, we're not going to get into the politics, but actually, I'm not sure that was ever not true with Obama anyway, but. Well, yeah, we, we might get to that. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So like, let, me, let me ask you a question. You've, you've, been, you've been requesting a couple of things from me. So let, let, me, let me fire one back at you. Sure. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most excited, how unexcited are you about the uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers? So the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego, I don't think <laughs> I care. Well, I don't care because I, I don't. I love, I, lo- I love that phrase, by the way. You, when, you put, when you put that in the, the notes here, I, I got a chuckle out of that. I still call it because I've never liked the Angels um, because they were, all, they were always like the Me Too team in, uh, in like 90s Southern California baseball. Um, so I'd like that name change of when like just suddenly LA decided, oh, we're just going to annex this team. Um, yeah, that's, that's stuck with me forever. So yeah, the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego, I don't care. Actually, no, I actively don't like football because it's a, 
it's a one hour game that somehow takes four hours. Um, so I, I, I don't care. So negative one. Okay. And also I just LA sports. I don't like either. So <laughs> two, two strikes against him. So were you, when you grew up, were you just not into sports at all? And then when you came up here, you became a Giants fan and that's been sort of your, um, first foray into becoming a sports fan. Is, so is I've been a happened? Giants fan since most of the 2000s i was never super um i was never like an uh like a watch all the watch all the games um sports guy and also with like we weren't a household that was going to subscribe to like prime ticket or, or extra innings or whatever the hell the uh mlb baseball. at bat well no like back in the 2000s like before oh, is that not what it was before whatever the thing was you had to pay like 150 dollars a year to get more than just local games on cable oh i thought i thought that was still mlb at bat but no. But yeah, like we were never that kind of family. So it's whatever was just on like uh, the broadcast networks or whatever got put on Fox Sports West or whatever it was called at the time. Um, so to be honest, like, no, I, I generally only I always liked baseball, but I only paid attention to the teams that got big national coverage. So like, you know, like the Jeter era and like just kind of the dynasty era of the Yankees. I didn't love them as a team, but they were fun to watch. I think I think you're thinking of uh, East Coast baseball, which is the only baseball that matters. It's not Joe Buck. So I don't want to hear any of this from you. He he's probably does um is there some awful cabinet post that uh Donald Trump can give Joe Buck so we can complete the circle? <laughs> do you um you, you don't listen to Bill Simmons podcast, do you? Only if it's a guest that I like, if it's like cousin Sal or or, or like any like nine out of ten episodes I don't listen to. So Joe Buck was a guest last week. Mm. You you should listen to it. He Joe Buck is he's refreshingly honest. And he's very open. I, I've, this is like the second or third interview I've heard him give. And in each one of them, he is very unscripted. I think, I think he's one of those guys who's reached a point in his career where, I mean, unless he does something just absolutely horrible, Fox isn't going to fire him. So he, I think he feels empowered to just about say anything he wants to when he's in an interview setting. I I, re I recommend listening to it. It's pretty All good. All right. I'll give it a listen. But ma my main beef with him is just that he, and actually a lot of um, sports commentators on the internet, or sorry, on the on, on the internet, on broadcast TV, um, just do not respect West Coast baseball. Well, he he doesn't comment on West Coast baseball in particular, but he does comment on how every fan from every team thinks that he hates their team. And his insight into that is pretty good. That's why I think you'll like that episode. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the first part of the episode. So if any, anything, just listen to like the first 10 minutes and then turn it off. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily my feeling. It just feels like, like, I don't know, did all televised sports think, is, thinks that the, the Red Sox and the Yankees are all that matter and that, I don't know. Well, team as, as, someone, as someone who's gotten more and more into the NHL over the last couple of years, I can tell you that hockey is exactly the same way where it's seemingly any team like west of the mississippi doesn't matter at all and it's all about like well my the rangers my, the penguins my uh, my view is like a casual like as a casual hockey viewer like extremely casual it's like that the only team that ever mattered was the detroit red wings right yeah no. all right well anyway um la deserves whatever they get so they're being greedy so i assume this will somehow blow up in their faces it's it's just such a it's just such a weird situation because LA just didn't didn't want these teams either the Rams or the Chargers and this is the league well, coming in and 
basically just mandating that this happens. But literally nobody in L.A. was asking for this. Well, but I thought L.A. desperately wanted uh, no. some type of football team. No. Like, well, I mean, the, 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 fan, the fans there have not wanted a team. There's been zero interest well, in is that having because, a team, let alone two. Is that because L.A. has a, like, they seem to have a very strong college football culture? Is that? I guess, I mean, I guess that, but... I mean, I, I guess I, I don't really, I don't have a ton of insight into what, what's causing that, but they're just the, the interest in having an NFL team is just not there in LA. Hmm. Maybe I mean, part of it's probably because, you know, the teams that are already in LA are, are the teams that people want to stick with and they don't necessarily even want to make room for an additional team. Um, but in any case, it's just, it's just bizarre. Normally when you have a team in any of the major, uh, you know, four sports move into a new city, people are super excited about it. And I mean, there have been people like actively booing at events this last week, which is just, just crazy. Well, like how is attendance? Well, actually two things. How has attendance been at the Inglewood Rams games? Not good because, well, I mean, and a, a big part of that is they're playing at the Coliseum, which is just simply not built out for NFL games like that's just been sort of a disaster so we'll see how that changes when the new stadium opens they can't convert the Staples Center <laughs> I think they did back in the day have um XFL games there like they they managed to make it a they go from concert venue to uh basketball to other basketball team to uh hockey events so yeah all in, all in like, like three days five minutes yeah so I'm sure they can make it uh uh astroturfable <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should look into that. So, how does this happen? Like, is the season over? Like, is that why it's happening? And the Chargers didn't make the playoffs? Like, how does this happen in the middle of a season? Or yeah, was the, the the Chargers didn't didn't make the playoffs. So this happened after the regular sixteen weeks, is it? Yeah, that uh, well, seventeen weeks because every team has a bye week, but sixteen games. Yeah, gotcha. All right, do you want to uh, finally move on to T word material? Uh, yeah, we we can do that. Yeah, you apparently told me that you were embarking on a project that took you into uh, out of your wheelhouse and into the weeds. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we've um, we've alluded to on the show before, and I've just through osmosis become aware that 4K TVs and specifically trying to get 4K content on TVs is kind of a hot mess, but had never really had any personal experience with that. And so, you know, moved into this new apartment a couple of months ago and we just, you know, happened to stumble into a 4K TV because you almost have to go out of your way to buy a TV now that doesn't have 4K. So, you know, wasn't specifically looking for that, but now that we have this TV with 4K, you know, I, I've, it's been on my list of uh, little projects to do to, to experiment with that some and see what all the, see what all the noise is about. So as we get into this, um, let me ask you, in our Dropbox podcast folder, are you able to see this folder that I added with the 4K Xbox photos? Uh, let me open up the Finder podcast. Yes. Okay, cool. So um, what you want to do is, um, and we'll, I don't know, we'll figure out some way to like put these in the notes or something. But um, if you look at the the file that says screenshot, starts with screenshot. Mm -hmm. So um, have that one open, but I guess actually, oh, yeah, this one. Okay. yeah, I, so I showed this one to you before, but actually let's, let's start somewhere else. Let's go to, 
um, I think it's, it's, well, it depends on how you have these organized, but if you have them organized by name, A to Z, it'll be the third one down. Okay. And it'll be a photo where it, in the upper left corner of the TV, there's like 4K TV details and there's a bunch of like exclamation marks and... This looks um, like the, the Windows 10 screen if you're, your Windows 10 computer blue screens. Uh, well, I mean, the the Xbox OS has taken a, a very Windows 10-esque um, visual style. But so, okay. So when you, um, when you hook up an Xbox and you go into the picture settings and then you drill down into your 4K TV details, it has this, what is, what is pitched, I guess, as being this little helpful menu, which sort of lays out, okay, your TV is 4K, but here's what it does and doesn't support in terms of being able to play games in 4K and being able to watch um, video uh, and movies in 4K, and whether with both movies and games, um, you can also use HDR. Is that what 10-bit means? <laughs> I don't actually, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but we'll get to that. Okay. So um, so I, I, I got around to hooking up the Xbox a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, like any reasonable tech nerd would do I, I was drilling around in these settings and went into picture settings went into i think it's the you have to then go to advanced settings then 4k tv details um and i was just curious what was going to be in here and I, I fully expected it to say like oh yeah you've got a 4k tv capable of everything you know have at it so i saw this screen and i, I thought like what the hell like you know I, I don't have like a super high-end tv or anything but i i figured that you know, it would basically be capable of supporting all of these Xbox One S 4K features. And I knew like right on the, the box of the Samsung, it, you know, it said that it supported HDR and everything. So I was really surprised by this. Um, and, you know, when I was, when I, taking another step back, when I was hooking up um, everything into our new media cabinet a month or two ago, I had made a specific point of looking at our, because you and I both have the same Samsung TV. So I looked at the manual of the TV to see if there was any different capability of the three HDMI inputs that it has. Because some TVs, it'll, it'll be like where, you know, two of the four ports support a certain resolution and the other two don't. That's not super uncommon. But I, I, I took a pretty detailed pass at the manual and I, I didn't see anything that alluded to that. So I just assumed that all three HDMI inputs were the same. So when this popped up, I went to the Xbox support page and sort of started reading into like why, um, why you would get these sorts of messages. And the, one of the number one things was, oh, you know, you have your Xbox plugged into an HDMI port that doesn't support these different, that doesn't support these different options. And I thought like, well, I, I looked at that on the Samsung TV, but maybe I should go back and, and double check. Um, which then brings me back to that first file I was going to have you open, the, the screenshot, which I think I shared with you uh, last week too, where buried, I think, I think it's literally on like page 70 of our manual or 75 of our manual, is this really obscure UHD color setting, which is only available on HDMI input one. And when you have this setting turned on, what that does is it allows the TV to display a 4K resolution at these different, I think it's bit rates. 
like different color bit rates. I, I might not even be getting that terminology correct. Mm-hmm. But by having the Xbox plugged into HDMI 1, I, th- I think I originally had it plugged into HDMI 3, but by having it plugged into the, that specific port and then going in and turning on this UHD color setting, which by the way, not only is that description that I'm showing you like buried in the manual, but then the setting itself is buried all the way into the advanced picture settings of our TV. But after doing those two things, then if you look at another one of these screenshots, I, I, I took a another picture of that same 4K TV's detail after I did all that and then got, you know, green checkboxes across the board where now the Xbox was saying I could play movies and TV in 4K as well as games, and then I could also do HDR with both. So this was like a three-day process unpacking this whole thing. And, you know, we've, you know, I, I would classify ourselves as relatively tech-savvy people. So I, I just can't help but thinking, like, if you're just some, you know, average Joe picking up an Xbox, and I mean, Microsoft sells millions and millions of these things, so there's plenty of those types of people, like, good luck figuring all this out. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't know how, I don't know how the average person would just sit there and, like, figure, figure this stuff out. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be glib like that. That's just, isn't that how all new technology is, especially something, um, uh, as, um, non-essential as 4k is right now, I guess, but I just, it just feels like that, that stuff has to be, has to be better. But I think once 4k is commonly supported and offered on everything and the content is there, this will sort itself out. I hope so because you know the 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 last thing I wanted to point out in this this whole story is that once I did get the Xbox working I tried out Battlefield 1 which is a game that the the console that I got came with and it's a game that supports HDR it's one of a, a handful of games that do and between the X you know between the Xbox upscaling the game to 4K and then also utilizing the HDR capability of my TV like man, that looks really good. looks really, really good. And I feel like I can kind of, I feel like I can see the difference in large part because I, you know, I have a 55-inch a TV and we sit probably a little closer to it than would be ideal here in the apartment. So I think the difference between 1080p content and 4K contents may be a little bit more obvious if, you know, than if we had a smaller screen or we're sitting a little further away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that looked awesome. And then that also then got me interested in checking out uh, Netflix's 4K content, which I guess I actually could have done on the Xbox. It has a, a 4K enabled Netflix app, but I went ahead and just tried it out with our TV's built-in Netflix app. Um, and again, I that any content in 4K just looks really, really sharp. So once you get all this stuff figured out, it, like the the reward is there, but it's just a shame that it's such a mess currently. Any bandwidth issues with it, or well, since uh, Comcast and Netflix have that peering agreement now, it's probably pretty smooth. Yeah, no, I didn't didn't have any buffering issues or anything, and um, you know, the I, I've I've always been pretty lucky in this this apartment building. I've been in a couple of different units, and the, the our Comcast hookup here is is pretty strong. So never really had never really had much bandwidth issues. Okay. 
And then to round this out, did you ever, from the manual page, did you ever find out what 4, 4, 4, and 4, 2, 2 things well, I are? Th I think that is related to the whole, like, color bitrate thing. Because there, there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's a little chart below that screenshot, which alludes to... Um, I don't even know if it is. Is it bit rates? Am I, am I even saying that right thing? I think if I look at some of these other screenshots, it's not. Uh, it's not bit rate. Bits, but like, bits, bits per pixel. Yeah, is, is what the Xbox says. So that that I think that phrase shows up somewhere below that screenshot, which is then that's what made me start thinking like, oh well, maybe it's this UHD color setting, um, that is related to this Xbox thing. But I guess the other thing I'd be curious to know, too, is why that UHD color setting just isn't on by default. Like, what what harm is it doing? By Or, like, what, what benefit is there to having it off? And then also, why isn't that just enabled on all three HDMI ports? Like, does that does that really add a lot of hardware cost to the tv like, I'd, I'd be curious to know i assume it's like we're like on certain things where not all usb ports are like full powered ports or some of them are usb3 and some are usb like i assume there's some technical reason why they can't like i think that's why like even on the new macbook pros like you can only power a 4 or 5k display off of certain thunderbolt ports like depending on which side they are like i could be completely wrong but i think there are like some technical limitations as to why yeah, I, I guess so. But <clears throat> again, like I, I guess I could maybe understand why all three ports aren't hooked up for for this, but I, I don't know why on the one HDMI port that does support it, why that setting's just not turned on. Yeah. Seems strange. Yeah. Just got to pay for the uh, Geek Squad black tie setup. Because <laughs> they got to calibrate the TV. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Um, so you, so you're happy was it, was the, was the effort worth it? I, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing, seeing more of that stuff. Cause yeah, for 4k content is, is awesome. Oh. Cool. And the, the HDR stuff is really good too. Um, it just, it really makes certain colors pop on the screen. So with that battlefield game, all the explosions just looked really, really great. So I have a dumb question about HDR. Does that mean everything just looks oversaturated like is the color still accurate or is it just like over yeah it's it, it's 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 over it's oversaturation but only like um sporadically or only sort of like intentionally so like when you're just looking at a, a regular image you wouldn't really see any difference but then again with like an explosion or something something that's like really supposed to pop that's where you see it Got it. So for like a Hollywood movie that's not like a Michael Bay film, this would not make a difference. No, like if yeah, if you were watching a like Tarantino movie or something where it's primarily just people talking, I don't really think you'd you'd see anything. But if you were watching like a like Star Wars or um some other type of action movie, that that's where you'd see it. Got it. Oh cool. Glad you glad you solved it or you uh, tracked it down. Well, but that's well. So I guess the last thing I'd say here too is, is it turned. I haven't really gotten much into this side of it, but with video, it's also a mess. Where 
you know, they there is, you know, UHD discs. So that's that's like a 4K disc. But then not is all that, of those. In fact, is that a I think, variant of Blu-ray? Yeah, well, it's a different type of Blu-ray. So it's like Blu-ray, but with 4K content instead of 1080p content. And you need a, you know, you need a special player, like a Blu-ray player that you bought five years ago is not going to not going to play these discs but like units like the xbox one s do have a like uhd disc player and so you you can get this 4k content on there but i think it's only a, a very small number of movies that are in 4k also support hdr and it's the same way with games too where you know like the xbox one s will upscale any game to 4k but only certain games will support HDR. Hmm. And they and like the, there's there's no like master list or anything even like on the box that or anything that that indicates that you literally just have to go to like third party sites where people have somehow gone through and kept a catalog of like what games and and what movies support all that stuff. Yeah, it sounds a little messy. And with Netflix too, they they do have a like 4K section, but at least with the the Samsung Netflix app, it doesn't seem to show all of the options you have because there there was some other content when I was scrolling through the library where it was available in 4K but wasn't listed in that 4K section. And the only way to find out it was in 4K was to actually like select it and then go into, you know, the menu you get into before you actually click play. And there'd be a little like 4K icon up in the corner. Got it. It's a mess. Yeah. Speaking of which, Apple in 2016. <laughs> Speaking of messes, yeah. Yeah. So with this one, I, again, everybody, I assume everybody that listens to this program also listens to Upgrade or listens to, uh, to Upgrade in lieu of this program. Um, do you want to, rather than like just reading off the results, do you want to just run through the topics and maybe see what scores we would assign ourselves? Yeah. Um, and then maybe we can comment a little bit on some of maybe some of the scores that we were surprised by with with six colors. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so real quick, the categories, uh, Mac, iPhone, iPad, watch, Apple TV, cloud services, home slash IOT. Do you know what that is? Internet of Things. Oh, yeah. OK. Uh, hardware reliability, software quality developer relations and environment and social issues. And so the idea was that Jason reached out to 37 different Mac folks, Apple folks, and they were asked to, to score each one of these categories between one and five. So do you want to just, do you want to start with uh, Mac? Yeah. Me first or you first? Oh, I think, I think, I think you first. Okay. Uh, and we only, we only hold numbers, correct? Yeah, I, th I think that's the way to go. I mean, there there are decimals here, but that's just because it's um, an average. But mm -hmm. I think he mandated that folks give whole number responses. Got it. So I would say one point five, which I guess I'll round to a two. Yeah, that's not that sounds right. I think I think I'd go with a two, and that compares to a uh, two point six from uh, Jason's survey. That that's, that seems about right. So with that one specifically, it's the Mac is a complete mess right now. I'm, I'm, and that's kind of mainly hardware, but also a little bit on the software side because I, I just so vehemently disagree with the um, annual upgrade cycle that OS X is on for no good reason. I mean, I, I guess I kind of get it because they want feature parity with um, 
with iOS, but that isn't even happening because like you can't do iMessage stickers or any of that kind of stuff on OS 10 anyway. But no, the hardware is just an absolute mess. Like the, the MacBook Pro refresh was overdue by many years. And again, we, we talked about this like two episodes ago, is genuinely a bad computer. Uh, you you disagree uh, I mean, strongly or, or not strongly, I'm not sure. But um, the Mac Mini has not been touched in however long. And we'll get back to that a little bit later in the show. Um, Mac Pro still not updated in over three and a half years. It's just, I'm not sure what they're doing with the Mac. Yeah, 20, 2016 was, by any standard, not a good year for the Mac. I don't, I'm not quite as pessimistic as a lot of people are, uh, which I think should have been clear from an episode or two ago where we, we got into the Mac stuff. But um, but even even if you don't think the Mac is in as bad a shape as some people say it is, again, I don't think you can make an argument for anything other than 2016 being a down year for the mac yeah and your score was three or two two yeah okay. I, I agree with your two all right um so the, iphone three yeah i so that the score here on six colors is four and this i think of any of the categories is the one that i disagree with the most um i i would be I'd be sort of stuck between a two and a three, but I, I I guess I'd round up to a three, although wouldn't really be super happy about it. Um, I mean, the iPhone 7 is just, it's disappointing in a couple of key ways. Um, you know, it's the same same form factor for the third year in a row now. And, you know, I, I'm, I really am not one of those types of people that say like, well, you need to change the hardware uh, form factor just for change sake. But having exactly the same phone for three consecutive years, I think, is is pushing it, particularly in a category, that category being smartphones, where, you know, the technology is still evolving so rapidly across the board like that. That seems kind of tough to have the same design for, you know, 36 months. But then also the other huge thing this year was the removal of the headphone jack, which as I'm sure we talked about on the show, isn't you know wasn't the end of the world, and people are you know getting used to it, but just in every way was entirely unnecessary and added literally zero value to the phone. It, mm-hmm. in, it in fact took away value from the phone. Mm-hmm. We didn't get better battery life. We didn't get a thinner phone. We didn't get anything. And it, and just to add insult to injury. Apple's supposed solution to that, these these AirPods, have basically been MIA because they were delayed and then, you know, ever since they've been released, you can't find them anywhere. So that that whole thing has just been a been a mess. It it was a it was a bad year for the iPhone. I agree. I I wouldn't say it was a, a I wouldn't say go so far as to say it was a bad year, but I think the like the iPhone 7 was the iPhone 6 SS. And that's, I think, the problem. And not that that has to, it has to be a revolutionary redesign, like you said, but the changes that they made almost all made a worse product. The headphone jack removal, I know, is happening eventually. But the thing is that, like, this year it happened completely without purpose. There, because the hardware design did not change and the waterproofing or whatever they added to it, 
like removing the headphone jack is not required for that to happen. Other phone manufacturers have shown that. So like I, whether they think they were priming people to um, be on board for that change down the road or, or, or whatever, like it just didn't work out. Like the home button on the new iPhone seven is decidedly worse in every single way. I, I, I wanted to like it for a little bit, but I, nope, I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, like the double click and gestures like don't work for me. I, I, it's it's difficult to feel around for. Sometimes it just doesn't respond. Um, like it's it's just it's a worse product. And also just like the uh, the seven plus like the camera thing. I don't know. I felt like I feel like they should just should have waited until they could put it on both. Huh? Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard that take before. But well, that's more of a selfish thing. But yeah, no, I I, th- I think I think that makes sense. Because, like, does this mean we're going to live in a world for the next, like, 10 years where only the gigantic phone gets the good features? Just because, I mean, technically, that is kind of how it works. Like, if you have more physical space, you're going to be able to um, to do your experimental technology or that new stuff that you can't miniaturize yet. So, like, that, if that's the strategy that they want to take, I mean, that that's where it'll be. But it's does Apple continue to only offer the latest features to a certain segment of their audience where they either have to make the decision that they settle for a phone that they don't actually like the dimensions of or they get stuck with like a second class phone well well, i don't know about 10 years but rumors are i think so far that this year's phone is going to be the same way where the bigger phone is going to get the same better camera and then the the smaller phone will get the the lesser camera all right ipad i i guess and i'm exactly the same spot as with the iphone where i'd probably waver between a a two and a three and would kind of reluctantly round up to a three um only because you know i i did end up buying an ipad pro 9.7 inch which which was the only kind of the only new model that came out this year and i i do like it. it it is a really good device um i I don't use two of the of the key features. You know, I, I don't own an Apple Pencil, and I've never once used the Smart Connector. But it is a really solid iPad. It's thin, it's light, the battery life is great. Um, I'm actually not as big of a fan of True Tone as most people are. Um, my biggest thing with it is I I'm I'm sort of constantly shifting between screens. And when you go from using the iPad with True Tone to like your iPhone or your Mac, that change is is kind of jarring. And I also even just in isolation, I don't particularly love the effect that True Tone has. So I'm not I'm not as as big on that. But um, but it it is it is a a solid it is a solid device. And like they talked about an upgrade, I, I think the the biggest disappointments. Um, come more on the um, the software side, where iOS 10 just basically added nothing new for the iPad. Yeah, I would say three as well, uh, because I dropped and broke my iPad Air two. I did have to begrudgingly upgrade to the 9.7 Pro, um, and and I do like it. I like True Tone, although you are totally right about um, that uh, color temperature shift uh, being a bit jarring when you move between devices. Um, but I do find, like, if I'm just doing reading on it, um, it is more pleasing and it's a lot less dra- uh, drastic than Night Shift. And it, um, like, the fact that it's automatic is very, very nice. Um, like, because of games like Mini Metro, like, the Apple Pencil is kind of neat, even though I've tried to make it stick as, like, a note-taking device and it just doesn't. So, yeah, that's that's kind of out for me. 
I end up using the Logitech Create keyboard more, but most of the time I actually will just end up using my uh, my old ancient MacBook Pro for that. So like the Pro 9.7 is a good device, um, and I think that's a positive step for Apple, but um, yeah, I think it's a solidly a three, but I, I will use this as a as a way to move to a, a like a, a tangent where what have you noticed this like huge reversal that everybody's doing like they're all walking back their opinions of the the massive ipad pro no i mean i guess the only people i hear consistently talking about it are um, jason and mike and they both still seem to love it hmm. like i mean because didn't jason say that his preferred device like above all ipads is a 9.7 no I, th- I think he still uses the bigger one he just says that for most people, the 9.7 is the right choice. Got it. Maybe the, maybe I'm uh, misremembering, but like on a couple of other podcasts, I've just heard a ton of people who were just such ardent fans of the the gigantic pro and saying it's the the best thing ever and it's, it's this computer replacement have all gone back and said that the 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 9.7 inch model is is just their is the best one. I don't know. I always thought that was weird, but no. Um, I'm glad it got a little bit more attention this year, but the software is still what's holding it back and it's preventing it from being. Uh, that great third or second device, depending on what your perspective is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're running running a little long with these. So we'll, we'll start, I think some of these other categories would be a little quicker, but um, the watch, six colors, 3.7. I guess we, we should say with the iPad, 3.4. Watch, 3.7. I think I'd, I'd go a four here. Uh, the Series 2 hardware is great, way faster, brighter screen. You know, the waterproofing's nice. And, you know, watch OS 3, while still far from perfect, is way better. You know, I, I think one of my biggest reasons why I wouldn't go with something like a 5 here is because Apple should have just shipped all this stuff as version 1. It shouldn't have taken two years to get to this point. But at least we're here now, and, you know, it, it's it's a whole lot better than it was. Yeah, I'll say 3. Um, I never got a Series 2. I don't see a big re- compelling reason to upgrade, but that's not necessarily a knock against it. Uh, my only... Like watchOS three was a good improvement, but um, I still am really frustrated with the timers app on how that works now, and that destroyed a huge um, uh, reason I use the watch. So, three. Uh, Apple TV six colors score two point seven. Um, yet again, I I'd be kind of stuck between a two and a three, but would would probably go three. Um. In large part because, you know, the current Apple TV still is such a big improvement over what we originally had, but is far, far from perfect and, and didn't really get a whole lot new this year. And the little bit of new that it did get, which was mostly the single sign-in stuff, doesn't even work for people like you and me. Yeah. So kind of a middling year for the Apple TV. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say one. Ooh. Ooh. Yikes. Because I... I've... I've been using it a lot. Um, it's it's not good. The remote is not good. Um, most of the apps are not good. Uh, like very few people are actually making apps for it. It's overpriced. Um, it uh, one. Okay. No, that's. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with you on it. Yeah, and that, that that one that one hits that one hurts a lot. Cloud services. Uh, yeah, cloud services. So three point one on six colors. Um, I, I think if I think a three is fair. Um, I it was, I think I don't remember if it was Mike or Jason. I think it was Mike who sort of had the take of, 
I don't really use Apple's cloud services a lot, so it's hard to have a, a strong feeling one way or the other. I, I think the reason I'd you know give it a three instead of like a one or a two is a, a lot of it's because of the iCloud backup stuff. I, I can I continue to I know you're not as high on that, but I continue to think that is a phenomenal feature. The fact that my iPhone just backs itself up to the cloud every night without me having to think about it is really great. Um, and yet again, you know, the iCloud transfer process to my new iPhone went over without a hitch this year. So, you know, I don't really use iCloud for much else other than that. So it's hard to go the other direction with like a four or five. So I, I think it's the three is about right. Okay. And then clarifying question on this is, uh, does Apple ID fall under cloud services or no? Um, I mean, I, I guess so, but like what, like in what way? I want to know if I can include the negativity against a uh, two-factor authentication oh. and two-step verification. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that would go here, yeah. Okay, then that drags it down to, uh, to a three. Okay. Because I have no issues with it. I uh, iCloud Photo Library has been pretty flawless for me. Um, iTunes Match, I'm still a subscriber of that. It seems to work just fine. Actually, no, sorry, I, I knocked this down to a two. Um, iTunes Match seems to keep trying to make me buy music I already own. So no, that that's a knock for it. Isn't Match just included in Apple Music now? Well, I don't subscribe to Apple Music because I'm a Spotify guy. Got it. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the specifically with you, like I would I would think that that Apple ID stuff, where like you had to change from two step to two factor authentication to get the Apple Watch pairing to work. Like even our hibernating pal Darth got super frustrated by this. Like that's just weird, and uh, like a lot of Apple ID security management is is super messy. So yeah, too. Yeah, it 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 is weird, but I I was able to make that switch without any problem. Yeah. Granted, I had to go to like a third party website for the um for the instructions on how to do it. Which like, it's just there shouldn't be instructions. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. the thing. It's it's messy, and for the most valuable company in the world that has so many users, it it's got to be cleaner. Yeah. No, I I I don't disagree. All right, HomeKit. <sighs> I think I think so. I think this is my turn to go one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as someone who's gotten way more into the home automation stuff, um, over the last 12 months, I've, I've now kind of similar to that 4k discussion. I, you know, I had been aware that HomeKit was limited and kind of all over the place, but never really had much personal experience until more recently. And now having that personal experience, I, I can confirm. Yeah. Uh, HomeKit is a, is a mess. It's has limited, hardware capability or limited hardware compatibility rather um the built-in home app is pretty meh in ios 10 Mm um i mean the bottom line is with home automation stuff you're better off just using third-party apps and with the hardware stuff not even worrying if it's home compatible or not Mm -hmm. yep totally agree um i would definitely say one if you want to do home automation stuff you're just better off splitting your time between uh, the Amazon Echo and uh, using IFTT or like the application uh, that your device uh, happens to come with already. Right. Like honestly, like the, you know, the Philips Hue app, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. And there's a, there's a ton of great third-party Philips Hue apps that, that to Philips's credit, they have an entire section of their website that says, hey, there's all these great third-party apps. You should go check them out. Yeah. Uh, like call back to like an old pick of the week, like Humote is great. Like there's 
if you don't like their Phillips does a fantastic job at embracing the third party community and that kind of stuff. Yeah, they really do. Granted, they should take some of the ideas and build them into their own app, but the the current Philips Hue app is so much better than it used to be, which is I'm not sure what that what that says, but eh, it's getting better. Well, people got upset, right? Because then they they came out with an entirely new app when version two of the hardware came out, and did, weren't people with version one kind of upset? Yeah, because it was one where like thing? it's like they made it two separate apps, and like the legacy stuff was siloed away and was probably never going to get updated again. So they walked that back. Right. Right. But yeah, so it, it's it's a one. It's all it's all about the Amazon Echo and that other stuff. And and here's the thing where I've talked about this in the past, and this goes along with like the Apple TV stuff where they haven't been able to get the deals to make Apple TV a cohesive product um, or a compelling product. Um, like whatever they're requiring to make HomeKit accessories or whatever, like they need to figure something out on how to play ball with other people because they're missing the boat on this. And this is going to be Amazon and Google's field. And like I. Just seems like Apple's like voluntarily um, sabotaging themselves with a lot of these things that are going to be more important as we go forward. Yep, agreed. Hardware reliability. So I'm I'm going going. This is a four point one um, on six colors. I'm going way the other direction. I'm going a two, um, mostly just because of my personal experience this year. Um, this was the first ever defective iPhone I had out of the box with that weird yellowish screen that I had to swap out the phone for. I thought you said that you verified that it, like the, on the store demos that they were like that too. No, they weren't. That's oh. How, that's how I knew mine was kind of weird. Got it. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of a whole thing. And then as I shared on the, on the program a few weeks ago, I have a huge scratch on my um, iPhone 7, which is just slowly killing me. That's um, not a reliability complaint. I mean, I feel like Apple touts the durability of the screen enough to fault them for when something like this happens, especially as somebody mm. who's as careful with their phone as I am. But you go caseless, so I think that's that speaks yeah, but to a, but a case wouldn't a case wouldn't help with the front glass. It would have created an, okay. I'm not, I don't I don't want to I won't I won't you know we'll let that go. Like if, if it <laughs> if it created like a, a raised like lip around the screen, maybe you set it flat on a table and it scratched against something on the table that wouldn't happen but eh, maybe maybe but again if you have a 7 plus you can't make that thing any bigger <laughs> yeah um harder reliability i would say a three um i mean whatever I, i've had uh no issues but the uh again we covered a couple weeks ago the screen on my 13 inch 2013 uh retina mac pro is delaminating itself and it's getting worse <laughs> by the day and I assume when I take it to the Apple Store, they're going to tell me to uh, go kick rocks. So, um, yeah, three. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, software reliability, I, I think I'd go four here. Um, or so I guess it's software quality is the, is the phrase here. Um, yeah, I think a four. Um, I think across the board, iCloud... Well, I guess that's more on the cloud services. Probably say iCloud's been more reliable, but I, I guess I put that somewhat in the software quality too, where the implementation within iOS and and macOS has been solid. Um, and you know, an- another year goes by where I don't really have any macOS crashes, very few iOS and watchOS crashes. Um, not really a ton of new exciting features, but what's there is pretty fully baked. I would say three. Um, there's just a lot of things that are still seem rough around the edges, particularly with iOS. Um, like it, I, I still randomly throughout the week will get little pop-ups saying enter your Apple ID password 
with no context as to why it's being asked. And until that goes away, like that seems like a big issue that's going to cause people to get scammed and fished in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like iOS still seems like for uh, up until the point one release, it, it's uh, it's always a little rough. There weren't any show stopping bugs with iOS ten, but it's it's still yeah, I'd say average. I'd say three. Yeah, there was a period of time where I was getting that same pop up that would ask for my password a bunch, but I haven't I haven't seen that in a while. Hmm. So I look forward to that starting to pop up again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, dev relations. I mean, as a as a non developer and as someone who doesn't really have any friends or family that are developers, I I can't I can't really say I, I have a strong opinion one way or the other here. So I guess I'd go with a three. Yeah, I would say four only because uh, what does affect us as a user um, app review times. Uh, whoever is managing the app store, I think it's Schiller. I guess just threw a, a many more humans at the problem and. Now apps don't stay in review for two weeks. They generally get a turnaround time of like two days now. So I think as a user, that helps us. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good point. And then this, this category, environmental and social issues. I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think a, a, a four here is, is or even, I, shoot, even a five, I think is, is warranted here. Apple's one of the few companies that seems to go out of their way to really put a, a big focus on this stuff and... It's it's really not in their personal financial interests in a lot of ways to be as focused as they are, but to their credit, they, that doesn't deter them. So, I, th- I think giving them more credit, you know, giving them credit where credits due here makes sense. Yeah, I, I would say a five. I mean, for a company that makes devices that are probably destined for a landfill, like in five years, I think they've done a lot to um, kind of offset that. Like they they're making fairly reliable devices. They um, they have a buyback program so that they can resell them in secondary markets. So again, it's less likely to go into a landfill. They made that. I'm not sure how like how many devices this actually affects, but they made that really cool uh, iPhone disassembly robot. That was pretty neat. Um, so that was that was good. And then on social issues, I mean, Apple seems to like other than the Tim Cook Trump meeting, which I'm not sure like a CEO of a public company can ever decline that. Um, no, they seem to be pretty uh, on top of social stuff. Well, and in, in Apple, you know, held their ground with the FBI yes, yeah. thing last year, which, you know, I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think I think a five is the right answer here. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of recapping, like, the Mac seemed like the big loser this year, or or the loser uh, in terms of Apple's attention. Um, and then everything else was just kind of kind of meh. I think probably the biggest letdown in terms of, like, just hopefulness of what had been better this year is, is Apple TV. We'll see what 2017 brings. Yep. All right, we're running long. So tell again, tell me what uh, what happened with the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. So um, Apple or Apple, <laughs> and Nintendo had um, unveiled the Switch. Uh, I guess this was back in October. I want to say they came out with just like a little brief five minute video of, of kind of like a concept video of what it was going to be. And it was, you know, to, to remind folks, it was largely in line with what people were expecting. It was sort of this this hybrid home console that you would hook up to your TV, but then also a portable kind of tablet slash 3DS type thing that you could also take on the go. Because, you know, Nintendo's always had kind of at least two different hardware platforms at all times where they've had a console, home console focused uh, piece of hardware, and then they've also had a, a handheld. So the Switch was supposed to like bring these two worlds together and 
So, you know, Nintendo had their big kind of full unveiling uh, this week where they went into a lot of details about release date, March 3rd, price, $300, what you get with that $300, which we'll get into in a minute, and then all of the accessories and games that are uh, be coming out either at launch or, or shortly thereafter. Um, so, you know, for sort of 300 bucks, um, you get the Nintendo Switch itself, which is a um, kind of like an iPad mini sort of looking device where it's, it's a, I think a similar size screen as an iPad mini, mini, maybe a little bit smaller, um, is a touch screen. Um, by all accounts seems to be a, a fairly nice looking screen. It's like a 720p resolution display. And then the way this works is you've got your, I'm not making this up. They're called joy cons, <laughs> which kind of attach to the side of the switch there's like this little rail system and those are your controllers so you've got like a little joystick um, on each side of the screen when you've got the the left and the right joy con hooked into the screen so you can when you're playing portably you can you can have it hooked to the screen or there's a little kickstand on the back of the switch where you can have the display hooked up on a desk and then you can be holding these joy joy cons detached from the unit so you'll get those. Um, you'll get the the base that the switch plugs into when you want to have it connected to your TV. You'll get a little um, kind of just plastic device that connects the two Joy-Cons together so that when you're playing at home, you can use the two Joy-Cons together essentially just as like a traditional controller. Um, they also come, the Joy-Cons come with wrist straps, which also have... Um, slightly bigger buttons that overlay the existing buttons on the controller, and then of course like the power adapter and HDMI cable. So not not a not a ton of not a ton of surprise with any of the hardware stuff. I think the the price was largely in line with what people were expecting, um, and you know the the controllers are pretty consistent with that teaser video they put out last year. Um, I think that the biggest the biggest takeaway I, I think that's all the details you need to go into there's like there's a there's a lot more but the, the 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 big takeaway seems to be that you know the switch's entire premise is sort of centered around this idea of consolidating Nintendo's home and portable ecosystems so that all of their developers all of their studios would be focusing just on this one platform but the problem much like what we've talked about ad nauseum with things like the surface, which, you know, this idea of trying to bring two very disparate worlds together into one device or two very different use cases into one device, you kind of end up with something that's just like not, not great at anything. Well, so, so uh, two questions. So is first, is this a mainly a console, then portable game as an afterthought or portable first, then console? It, it seems, it seems to be the, the former where, as a portable device it it's just not it's just not very good it's it's too big the battery life is is pretty bad it's it's anywhere from 2 to 6 hours and then nintendo cited that with a game like zelda it's going to be about 3 hours so as a as a handheld device it just it doesn't really seem like a like a 3ds replacement and what's the like game format? Like, is is it meet? Is it like digital download to get games on it, or like is there actually like a spinning disc or something in this? So it'll be there'll be I think pushing downloads, but um, it, there'll also be cartridges. 
<laughs> so no no more optical disc but cartridges yeah interesting and then uh the other part uh is this so are they going all in on this like is this their new strategy and it's replacing both the console and the um their whatever their mobile thing is i think like the the 3s or the 3ds that's the thing is people so people's initial reaction you know stepping out of this event was like i don't i don't really think this thing is a great portable device and sure enough nintendo gave quotes after the fact saying like oh no we think you know we think the 3ds can live side by side with the switch and we, and we fully intend on supporting both platforms which you just you're just like again the the what what could really make the switch a killer device is if you're well, let's let's pause. So I, I think you know the the thing with Nintendo over the last five six years in particular has been they're really 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 good at making Nintendo games. You know they're really good at making Mario. They're really good at making Zelda. They're good at Mario Kart. Like they're good at Kirby. They're good. They're Yoshi. They're they're good at all these first party characters and titles. Like they, every one of those games that comes out just about is fantastic. And you know the machines that they've built to run these games are pretty solid. But like one I think I think one of the things that's really kind of held them back is they've had these two disparate platforms that that said that sort of splits their resources and attention. And so like the promise of bringing those two platforms into the same thing and really focusing Nintendo's energy on what they're best at, which is you know, putting out these first party games was really exciting. And so the fact that they're kind of half-assing that is i think disappointing and i think it's really going to hold back the switch from being as good as it otherwise could be because then the other the other thing too in addition to the portable piece not necessarily being where it needs to be is we didn't really get into this but um like the the joy cons they've got like a bunch of motion sensing stuff and infrared and all this other kind of we like functionality which like that that ship has kind of sailed. I feel like that that phase has kind of come and gone. So it, it feels like Nintendo's kind of still trying to recapture that that magic of the Wii, which just you know, it's not it's not 2007 anymore. Like that's just that's just not going to happen. Like, aren't they just trying to cover their bases and try to have something in there for casual gamers if the if like the market pivots? But I but I know casual gamers aren't interested in motion controls anymore. Like that's just not. That's not where the market's gone. If anything, if the casual market is what Nintendo is focused on, they should be focused on the mobile experience. That's where the casual consumer's going. Well, I, I assume that's why they're spending atten- they're paying attention to iOS and they're doing that Mario Run game and stuff like that. Yeah, but you know, that's that stuff is good. It's I think it's the right thing to do. But the area that they should have nailed that stuff was with their own hardware. So the I just, you know the switch just ends up feeling like it's it's still it's just kind of stuck in limbo where it's not a great portable device on the home console side it seems to be a little bit better but it still has some of this like legacy Wii stuff that like nobody seems to really want so it it, it feels like it feels like a bit of a aimless device whereas like that should have that should have been its strength like it should have been a like, listen, this is a Nintendo machine to play Nintendo games. Like, the focus of this thing should have just been razor sharp. And I think the lack of focus has actually ended up being kind of the biggest detriment to this thing. So can I ask, and this is probably going to be a, a poor analogy, but 
is this like Nintendo having like the BlackBerry problem? Hmm. Hmm. Like, do you know kind of what I mean? Kind, kind of. Like where they have their own strengths, but they're also just trying to throw everything at the wall to see what sticks because they just can't decide what they want to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. I guess so. I, I guess the the thing that came to my mind is, which is what I mentioned kind of at the top, which I see this as being more of like the, I guess we'll call it the Microsoft problem, where they Microsoft still thinks that they can come out with these single pieces of hardware that just is like the best of everything. And again, as yeah. we've talked about over and over again on the show, that's just that's just a false premise. You just you just can't you can't do that. The the needs and features of in this case a home console and a portable console are just so so different so there's just no there's no way you can have the best of both worlds in a single device yeah it's a bummer i think everybody wants nintendo to succeed but it it seems like it's it's gonna be challenging i mean we'll see i mean people seemed really positive about the the software side i mean people really liked zelda which is going to be out at launch they really liked the new mario game which is going to be out this holiday season um so, you know, we'll see. Um, well, so, so you've paid attention to this for a while. Has the response that you've seen with this seem better than it was with the Wii U? Like, was the Wii U panned when it came out, like, even before it got into people's hands? Or was that also... Um, no, that, 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 was, that was panned. I, th- I think the, the reaction to this has been more positive than that. Okay. Um, I guess the, the, the only other thing I'll, I'll mention, um, which I think is, is relevant to the show here, and I think you might find interesting, is so, you know, Nintendo's always been kind of woefully behind with the online services part you mm-hmm. know you know microsoft with xbox live and sony with uh playstation plus have, have built out these pretty really comprehensive online infrastructures and, and nintendo just doesn't have anything like that but they are rolling out um a kind of xbox live type service they they only talked about it vaguely at the show they didn't give it a name or anything all they said, and this is the interesting part, all they said is that it's going to be free at launch, but then they're going to start charging for it in the fall. They didn't say exactly how much, but you know, presumably it'll be something like an Xbox Live, which I think is like 50 or $60 a year. Um, they said that they're going to offer one free Super Nintendo or original Nintendo game which you can play during that month as a subscriber which you don't get to keep after the month if you want to keep playing you have to 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 buy it um which is which is unlike what Microsoft and Sony do where they offer free games each month but then as long as you're a subscriber you can continue playing them even after that that month is up but then the really interesting part and by interesting I mean kind of weird is and they, they didn't go into specifics about this, but here's here's the 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 quote that they gave. So, uh, the service includes a smart device application available in summer 2017 that will let users invite friends to play online, set play appointments, and chat with one another as they play compatible games. So people have interpreted this quote, particularly that last part, as meaning that all of like your friends lists all of your online chatting like all the stuff that you would just normally expect to do on the console itself when you're playing online is actually going to be facilitated through an app on your phone which that just seems crazy in a positive or negative way in a in a kind of a negative way well hasn't um hasn't xbox done this 
Like, well, is it, so didn't Xbox they have an Xbox Glass or something? Wasn't that a well, thing? So, so both Microsoft and Sony have like companion apps that you can use with your Xbox or with your PlayStation, but they're not they're not like the sole way to really do anything. Again, they're they're just sort of complementary. Got it. So what you're saying there is literally zero interface on the uh, on the Switch to do any of this. It's only you have to have a phone with you. Well, we don't know. I mean, that's that's what people are trying to pick apart with this quote. So, yeah. But if, mm. if that ends up being the case, then, um, hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Well, it looks like since we're running long, it looks like um, the Geek Squad gets another uh, week of reprieve before we talk about that. Yeah, I think that's uh, it before picks of the week. Yeah, I think so. I, I think we've got a couple of stories that are also kind of related to that geek squad story which is super super interesting that i, I think we do we do need to talk about on the show but maybe maybe that'll be good uh good, good to go over next week yeah yeah and then we'll get some uh probably not next week but in the coming weeks uh, i i ordered a an eero so uh we'll see how that goes yeah 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 i'm i have so many questions about that mm-hmm. yeah i'm finding a way to make it complicated that, <laughs> that's that's what i do in life you're fi- you're finding a way to eliminate its number one feature mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good for you. Well, no, it's number one feature is uh, the mesh networking, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you think the product is more about simplicity or about the the perform- like just like what it does? That's a, that's a fair question. It's it's pretty fifty fifty between ease of use and um, performance. Got it. All right. Well, uh, it, to have respect for the uh, listeners' time, uh, let's do picks of the week. Yeah. Okay. Um. So me, me first. You. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think I've I've picked this before on the program. Um, apologies if it, if it is a duplicate, but I don't, I don't think I've picked it before. Um, but it's the Economist Espresso. I think I think you've used you have. This. Have I have I picked this? I think so. But no, it's it's a fantastic pick. Okay, especially well, in this in these uh, troubled times. That's yeah. That that's sort of what what prompted me to to bring it up. So if it, if it's a repick or a new pick, whatever the case is. Um, it's just a really great, concise way to uh, start the day. You know, I think obviously the full, full version of The Economist, I don't think anybody would describe as being brief, um, but The Economist Espresso is is great, where everything is no more than about two paragraphs long, and it really does sort of hit on the top stories of the day. And even though it is as concise as it is, you still do get some of that um, biting commentary that you uh, that you come to expect from them. And what is the the monthly cost for that? So I I mean I just get it as part of my annual subscription to you know the full version of the Economist. I I don't know what if anything you can do for like individual pricing if you just wanted espresso. I'm how not, much? I'm not how much sure is about that. Uh, the Economist online for a year? I think I think it's about a hundred and thirty per year. Okay, something about something like that. Oh, cool! Yeah, no, that's it's it's a great app. It's it's well made. It's um, and there is a, a limited free version that you can get. I think you can read like two of like the six things that they give you um, each day. So it's worth it's. There's a uh, no risk in trying it out. Yeah, well, and it, it's it's a good app now. That was not always the case. It, it was it was pretty buggy when it first came out, but yeah, over the last six months, it's been pretty solid. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, timely pick. And then my pick of the week, and I, I had to verify this was still a valid pick of the week, um, is going to be uh, Ally Bank. 
uh, particularly their website. They are the only uh, banking company that does not have an absolutely terrible website. And uh, I double checked the uh, password uh, case sensitivity thing. Um, nope, it's fine on their website. So double marks. Huh. If and you're ever you, looking. You use them for your, like all your banking now? No, not at all. I, I use them for uh, separate savings. Oh, okay. Because I keep Bank of America around just because I, I need something with like physical branches and stuff like that. And, and I, um, like. Oh, so Allied is the kind of the, you know, defunct now ING direct sort of like online only thing. Uh, like ING is not, they're not defunct, are they? They just became like Voya or something. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, they, they got rebranded a whole bunch of times. So yeah, Ally, A-L-L-Y, um, they're, I don't know, they seem to, um, they offer competitive rates, I mean, as much as you can in, in terms of savings. I think it's like 1% a year. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably not that much, but. No, no, it is. Oh, yeah, like okay. it's, yeah, it's, that's, it's That's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> like the interest per year, I'll buy you a cup of coffee, but um, no, their website is fantastic. Their mobile apps are great. It's dead simple to use. Um, recurring transfers in and out of other banks is great. Um, and yeah, their passwords are case sensitive. So um, yeah, big thumbs up. Okay. That, that's also a uh, very relevant pick. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Gotta keep your money safe. Or maybe you should just keep it in a mattress. Who knows? Let's, look, let's, let's see what happens Friday. <laughs> I meant more in terms of the uh, password topic we had at the beginning, but... Um, oh yeah, I, I was going to revoke it if <laughs> I would have to scramble and pick something else if, uh, and if uh, the password thing didn't work out. But yeah, again, banks, banks are, uh, you know, it's fake news. <laughs> 